Welcome to the Gentleman Ultra Podcast. We Today, we continue our special series of three World Cup questions, where we ask the same three questions to some of our friends in the world of culture. So our guest today, you'll be very familiar to you all, um, co-host of the official Inter podcast, uh, contributor to Fiorentina's English website, Football Italia, as well as one of the, uh, well, I guess the founder of this very platform. And at one point in his life was a body double for Peter Andre, uh, Richard Hall. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> that, that's one of the best intros I've, I've been given for a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks yes, very much uh, for coming on been... and making some time. I know you're a busy man. No, most of those things are true, most of them, but uh, I'll let you all figure out which ones. No, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Frank, just before we even start, just a great job with your podcast. Um, absolute legend. Um, and, you know, like you say, yes, a long time ago, yes, I founded this website, but there's been so many people who have taken it on from strength to strength, and you are certainly one of them, and the podcasts are massively appreciated. And yes, this is my, oddly, my debut the podcast, so we're quite pleased about that. It's quite quite cool. <laughs> your first cap, you're you're in, you've earned your first cap. You've got to earn it. Don't just invite exactly. anyone on. You know that's how it works. So, <laughs> so the same three questions we've asked everyone else for the first few episodes. So, what's your favourite moment from the your World Cup past? Okay, well, <laughs> I knew this was coming, and it's really really difficult because first first of all, I knew it was going to be Italian ninety. There's not even a question about. It being Italian 90. Um, for anyone who's probably heard me on other podcasts or even have said this before, you know, uh, my father used to work in and out of Italy. Uh, we had Sky uh, very early on. Very lucky to have Sky in um, in the UK, B Sky BB or whatever it was called. And uh, so I was watching Italian football and the fan of Inter from eight years old. Uh, my dad didn't like football, so I wasn't drawn towards probably any of the local teams like uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, Blackpool, Preston, whatever. So he just, I said, can you bring a, a football shirt back? And he brought me two. One was Inter and one was West Germany, which is not great for an eight-year-old or 10-year-old at the time. We're going towards an Italian anti-World Cup when you're English. Um, yeah, he continued to, to then buy me goalkeeper tops, which is ended up why I ended up playing goal. So there's a lot of things around that time. And Italian football was, as everyone knows, was with me from then, has never left. Um, so I've been a fan of Inter going into that World Cup. You're probably going to think that, and this is what was so hard. There was games that I wanted to put in here, um, especially potentially Italy, Uruguay, 2 0. Scalacci's ridiculous goal. And, you know, I thought, yeah, that could be it. Italy, Czechoslovakia uh, with Baggio's wonderful run, white hot finish. Um, that was that was special. Um, there were so, so many, and I kept thinking about Italy, Italy, Italy. And then I thought, hold on a second. If something came into my head. The first time I went to the San Siro, uh, probably early 2000s, so with one of my friends who lived in Turin, and we went on the Curva Nord, and he always thought I was weird because the first thing I did, and this was a bit of a flashback, when he, when he came, when I went onto the Curva Nord, he goes, what are you doing? And I was looking at something, and he went, I said, I'm looking to see where Bremer scored against Holland. And so I thought, actually, if that was the first thing I did when I was in San Siro, forgetting all into memories, forgetting all of that, it has to be that game. And the reason behind it is because at the time, the Milan derby always will and is now my favourite fixture ever. Um, to the point where since, and this is how sad I am, 
Every time I buy it, I'm still 42 and play video games. Every time I get the new FIFA or Pro Evo, whatever it is, that's the first game I always do to see if it's any good. <laughs> so that derby meant so much. And if you remember at the time, Italian 90, that team, um, you know, when the West Germans obviously went on to win it, you had, okay, there were other players who played in Italy at the time, like Rudy Waller for Roma, for instance. But realistically, everyone made that game. It was Mateus, Bremer, Klinsmann versus Rijkaard, Van Basten and Hullet. So it's like, and it was in San Siro. So it's like the Milan derby in a World Cup. So it has to be that for me. And and that game, of course, is famous for like Rijkaard and Voller's spat. Pardon the pardon the pun, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was did Bremer won that with five or ten minutes to go? Is that right? Was that like right at the end or my memory? No, no, no. It was eighty fifth minute. Um, yeah. Eighty fifth minute. Uh, Klinsman had scored, I think, on the fifty something minute. Um, I think it may have been Bremer who gave him the assist actually, but it was a, a ball in from the left hand side. And Klinsman sort of comes across the defender and and volleys in uh, with his left foot, um, guides it to the right hand side under the Inter's cover against Hansen Brooklyn, um, and then the celebration. He just runs off. And I just remember him jumping and really big jumps. He got some proper heights on those, and uh, <laughs> everyone sort of swamps him. Um, and Holland, obviously, yes, we had this situation earlier on, which was uh, in the 20th minute, like you said, which Rudy Voller and Frank Rijkaard, which was quite disgusting, really, but it was one of, because it was disgusting. And Rijkaard, obviously, they're having an issue and he spits on him and then Voller's going over to the referee. And you can see it in his hair. It's disgusting. And then they get sent off and then he does it again on the way off the pitch. Uh, but you're you're right. It was it was Bremer on the 85th minute. And, I mean, Bremer for... for um, for, for Inter was just so, so good, so inspirational. Um, one of the, we talk about players like uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, we talk about DiMarco now reinventing what it is to be a left-back, and he'd already done that, mm. in my opinion, when he was at uh, Inter, being, you know, especially being so good at set-pieces as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he cuts back inside uh, on the left-hand side and just comes into the 18-yard box, and on the 85th minute just curls this ball. And you can tell, by the way, Van Brooklyn's going. He thinks it's going wide because he doesn't actually dive. He sort of just goes to his knees. Right? He just nestles in the back. And you've got to think as well, um, I mean, I've just, I've just told you before, I've just come back from Amsterdam. And there was even now talking about, um, we talked about, funny enough, talking about this game with uh, one of the Dutch guys. Did, you can't underestimate the hatred between Dutch and the... the um, the Germans, the more from the Dutch. And this game meant a lot. You know, obviously we look back to, to 88. There's, there's so much history between these two ta- teams. You know, you look at 74, there's a lot of bitterness. So this game had that bite about it. And, you know, we've talked about those six players who were massive in the, the case of AC and Inter. But some of the great players on the pitch, Cumin gets a penalty in the 90th. You know, but it's way too late, and uh, obviously we know that Germany then go on to mm. to go and win that World Cup. But it was a it was an epic game, and uh, I remember watching it and being totally totally enamoured with it. I, I remember the the red card incident. I completely forgot it was only in the twenty twentieth minute or the twenty second or twenty third minute. I never realised it was so early in the match. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. But even like looking at the lineups now, now that I've pulled it up, <clears> and you've got there's Sadie, like Sadie, our players everywhere, like for that era. But I particularly remember, you know, following Intel. Obviously, I started around '88, '89 as well, mm-hmm. supporting them. But like Bremer, I always felt sorry for Bremer because it was always like Matthias Klinsman, Matthias Klinsman, and I always thought. Why is no one showing this guy any love? You know, but um, it's it, it, you can't really say someone's underrated if they won a World Cup. But yeah, he he particularly he didn't get the I guess the spotlight like spotlight like the other two got. No, and you think Klinsmann didn't win the title? You know, he came after, um, and so it's even more unfair that Bremer probably doesn't get the accolades that he should have done. And he had obviously a very troubled life after after football as well, and. Hopefully, it looks like now he's, he's certainly turning that around. And I was privileged to interview him a few years ago, and he was um, a, g- a great guy. But when you look through that team, <clears throat> I mean, like you say, if we go through the German just quickly, I know some of these, so for people who want to say, well, actually, they weren't playing at 1990. When you looked at in between 1990, sorry, 1988 and 1992, Stefan Rudge played for Juventus, Jürgen Kohler played for Juventus, Thomas Berthold, I think, was at Roma, correct me if I'm wrong, Andres Bremer, we just talked about, um, you know, you, you, it, it, it just that's why the World Cup was so good. Yeah, Berthold was at Roma. Um, you know, you're looking at these players and everyone wanted to play in the best league in the world and that, that World Cup was was there. Mateus, of course, is my favourite player ever. Um, and anyone who knows me will know that. Rudy Volo is obviously at Roma. We've mentioned it. Klinsman, um, you know, uh, Inter. Riedler, Lazio, Moller ended up only in 92 at Juventus. And then you go, and we've got Rijkaard, we've said about um, Marco Vavas and Huller, obviously all at AC Milan. Aaron Vinter was at Lazio, I think he came a bit later on. Um, Van Schip and, uh, was, at, and was at Genoa, if I'm not mistaken. It was, it was a brilliant, brilliant set of players on either side. And I'm sure I've missed out a few there as well. Did Brian uh, Roy was yeah. Brian Roy at Foggia after he was there after Italian ninety, wasn't he? Yes, I think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh but it was Great just game. it was just oh, just a brilliant era. Just a yeah. brilliant, brilliant era. And you know, players he probably, you know, even outside of City are, you know, when you look at the likes of uh Hans on Brooklyn, I mean, what a goalkeeper he was, and even better. I mean, probably one of my favourite goalkeepers of all time and you know, a real Madrid legend. He's, what a um, moment. It's a pretty good way to win a, a, a you know, a derby, I guess, isn't it? You know, smack it in with five minutes to go against your, your rivals yeah. for, for Bremer. Yeah. 100%. Awesome moment. Yeah. So, which is, I, I don't know, maybe you'll, you'll pick the same game, but yeah. What's your favorite game from your, your World Cup life? Oh, I'm going to switch days around. Can I switch the questions around? Can I have that? My previous answer is the game. <laughs> Yes, and now I'll do the moment. Is yeah, that's all right. Favorite just, moment. I think. Yeah. Okay. So favorite. So that was my favorite game. There's no question about that. Favorite moment. Um, again, this is a difficult one because automatically I want to go to 2006, but I can't because Italian ninety just drags me back. And I mentioned it briefly before, but it's Baggio against Czechoslovakia yeah. because it's so iconic. Uh, it's probably, it's arguably the best goal of that World Cup. I know some people might say Lothar Mateus' run when he picks the ball up against Yugoslavia and, you know, drives from deep. And I think Brian Moore said he was shimming past, you know, all these defenders and bang, and it goes in. Um, that was pretty epic. But Baggio, I think, goal's better because it meant more for Italy. Because if we remember, you know, Italy were misfiring at the start of the tournament. 
Um, you know, Carnivali wasn't playing particularly well. Uh, it was a really, you know, the expectations on them to win the World Cup on home soil were absolutely huge. Um, and, you know, they, I mean, we all know the Scalacci story. You know, he comes on against Austria and gets that header uh, past Linden, Lindenberg. Um, and, but even with that, it was like, okay, well, hold on a second. We've won the game we should win. But we've turned to this little Sicilian guy who no one really knows because he was playing for Messina two years before. And we've won one nil and not Carnival and the big boys and Viali aren't aren't doing anything. Mm. And when he got to I think I know it sounds really wrong, obviously that Scalacci was the hero for Italy in that World Cup. But at that moment, people were looking to Baggio. He was supposed to do this. He was the guy, more than Donadoni, more than Giannini, more than Viali, so to really spark that World Cup. And I just remember watching that game and the commentary. This this is interesting about this, and this is why it's my favourite moment. There's a video called All the Goals of Italia 90. It's on YouTube and you can see it. And Brian Moore talks in retrospect about it. And he says that Baggio picks the ball up, shimmying past defenders, and he goes, and he carries on and carries on. And then he says, and the white hot, uh, red hot finish followed by the white hot celebrations. And it's because it's a brilliant way of doing it. But when you actually listen to a live commentary as well, there isn't a bad bit of commentary. You go to Barry Davis and he's like, Baggio, Baggio. Oh, and he just can't believe it. And you go to the Italian commentary. That's crazy, of course. And it's one of those things because that goal showed it was everything Italy hadn't done up until that moment. They, yes, they defended well. Of course they did. They didn't concede a goal to the semi-final. But Baggio, when he gets the ball then, it's almost like he, he goes, all right, now, now it's my turn. Now it's my time. And the Czechs have got, got a chance. The way, he, I can't remember the defender now, but the way, I know he's on stage calling goal, but I can't remember. But he winds him inside out. And he, he doesn't know where he's coming or going. And it's just, it's like Italy erupted at that point. And that was the point when Italy went, we can win Italia 90. Obviously, it didn't work out like that. But and I think that it, it made the tournament even more so because we were seeing stuff from the UK. Uh, people uh, celebrating that goal in little Neapolitan cafes with like white chairs that you get, you know, little crappy white chairs with Coca-Cola signs, drinking like whatever beer it was at the time. And they're all sat watching one little TV that's probably about 16 inch. And you've got the whole flat block of flats watching it. And that, that goal from Baggio just was like, just, it meant obviously so much to so many people. So yeah, that's definitely my, my moment, I'd say. Number number 15, the iconic number 15. That's funnily yeah. enough, that's the first, that's probably the first great individual goal that I remember watching as a kid and just being blown out by it. Like, you know, obviously 86, I, I sort of remember bits and pieces. I remember watching Argentina, Italy, but that, that game and that goal, I can still, in my mind's eye, I can see, you know, all those years ago, exactly where I was. I can remember everything. Yeah. And that's the first time where yeah. I've just gone, wow, what, what did he just do? Like, you know, that, that's amazing. That was amazing. Oh yeah. Cause we always remember, I mean, you talk about 86, you look at Maradona's goal against England, you know, obviously mm-hmm. one of the most iconic goals ever in a world cup. And people have just got this um, love of when players, you know, just take it all on themselves. I mean, yes, it's, great free kicks. We can all remember there's fantastic headers or, or you know, team goals. But I think that people really do resonate with individual ability like that. You know, it's why people love Messi so much. It's why people, you know, look back at Baggio 
doing that. And it's because, and it's similar, that's why I compared it to the Mateus goal in one respect against Yugoslavia, because that would arguably be another one, because he picks that ball up in his own half, takes on half the Yugoslav team, and then smashes it past Ivkovic from 25 yards. And you're just yes. like, what have you just done? And I think that, and sometimes as well, in the nature of those games, you know, um, I mean, the Yugoslavs were sloppy in that game, but it was a bit of it. It's when the games are starting to be a bit stale that players like that can just go, right, now. okay. Time to, roll see up. That moment. Time to roll up the sleeves, Matola style. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, very that's, cool. That's it. But it's, it's about having that sort of spatial awareness on the pitch as well. You know, I've seen I've seen players do it live and not to that level probably as much, but sometimes you're looking at something from the stands and you can see it or from a TV perspective when it's higher up and you don't see what they see. Mm. And they're on the pitch and you're like, how did you see that? Yeah, you know, how does Baggio, when he picks the ball up, how does he go, right, I'm cutting inside here, then I'm going inside. And I'm coming back out. I mean, uh, is it planned? Do they think about it? Do they just like you know? It's it's incredible. Yeah. And it's like but their speed, their speed of thought too. Yeah, I actually asked a ex professional footballer at, and he'd played in front of well, probably close to eighty, ninety thousand. You know, on a regular basis, played in huge crowds. And I remember asking him. This is probably three or four years ago. I said, "Oh, like, what do you hear when you're out there? Like, what?" Can you hear anything? Yeah. Are you visually like? Are you aware of what's going on around you? Not only visually, but you know, in terms of noise. Um, and said no. Or he said, I can. I get it when we walk out of the tunnel. I get it when the anthems are on. But then, when when the game's actually on, it's essentially just all white noise. I can't hear anything. I'm only concentrating <laughs> on the ball and looking in front of me because he was pl- played at the back and looking in front of me and essentially what's in front of me on the field and and what I've got to do and where I've got to go and my positioning. Like, you know, it's to, to have the ability to block that out. And he said it's just so um, mentally draining. Like after the game, you, you're, yeah, you're physically fatigued, but you're you're mentally, you're exhausted because you, you've had to like just block everything out for, you know, 90 minutes or even in some cases more. But yeah, to be able to just to block all that noise out and concentrate on the ball and, you know, you, know, you see the movies where they sort of hear their own heartbeat and they can yeah. hear their own breath, like that sort of. It, it must be it, it, because the the it must be. I can understand that. I mean, it must be intense the concentration. It's like mm-hmm. remember Patrice Everett talking about uh, the difference between playing in England and Italy, and saying that you know when he was with um, Manchester United, he had to concentrate on his centre back and the winger. So whether he overlapped, and so his mind, he wasn't even concentrating on the rest of the pitch. It was just this area. But he yeah. said he learned it as well from, from Italy because in Italy they play in grids. So, you know, when you see, I was I was uh, lucky enough to go and uh, watch Inter train under Mancini the se- and after in 2015. And they did a whole session for a couple of hours without the ball. So basically he would say, the ball's here. Where are you? Mm. And you'd be in your grid. Yep. So it was, and it was so concentrated. So you had more freedom in the UK. But in Italy, you've got that sort of, you know, okay, if the ball is here, then I need to be here. Mm. And either of those things must be mentally draining, whichever, however tactically, or if you've got tactics, you know you need to do it. You need to make sure you're disciplined. If you're playing in another way, we have more freedom. You've got to use your initiative more. Mm. And so you've got to be on it. So I can understand that. And it's uh, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, Yeah, on one of the last, on one of the, podcast we did with Frank Panisi and he was the director of football for Melbourne Storm 
And that was yeah. like, that's rugby league, but we were taking on lessons for Italian football, essentially any professional sport. And he was saying half of the like character, character is, and talent will get you through the door, but character, talent gets you to the door, but character gets you through the door. And he was saying yeah. the ability to um, take on instructions and the ability to learn and evolve as a player is is half yeah. the battle. You know, anyone could be the most talented player in the world, but if you can't understand the idea that your coach is trying to implement or you can't uh, follow what they're trying to tell you to get their game plan across, then it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle for it, them. It makes sense though, doesn't it? I mean, if you think about it, we have this argument all the time and I hate this argument when people say, is this player, going, oh, he's coming from the Bundesliga, is he going to be Premier League ready? Mm. What's that? I hate that argument. Is The fact is you can get players going from the Premier League to Serie A who enjoy the freedom I don't want to listen to those sorts of rid, more rigid orders. Mm. And therefore, like exactly from what you were just saying, therefore don't comply. But then you can also get someone from City A going to the Premier League. He's like, whoa, okay, this is overwhelming now because I've got too much freedom. I'm used to playing in this manner and it doesn't work or vice versa. But this this idea gets taken out where people say, oh, you know, is he ready for the Premier League? Well, I'm really sorry, but if you come from Italy or you come from Germany, you go to Premier League, you don't suddenly become slower when you touch down in Heathrow. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like oh, the pace and power of the Premier League. It's like well, no, he's still as quick. He's still been at the same gym, you know. It's but it's like you say, it's a mental thing. It, it yeah. is about preparing yourself in for different circumstances. Yeah. So and then Badger yeah, and then Badger replicated it almost in USA '94. The amount of times he just put yeah. the he's you know put the the team on his back and just single handedly dragged them through games um, yeah. time and time I think again. You, you were saying before, I think, uh, that uh, not many people have picked the same um, goals or games. Games, but moments, yeah. I think, uh, I think if Emmett, Emmett Gates ever comes on here, then um, I think the Baggio one, I think I've stolen it from him. So <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll be good But no, he can, he can have the United four one. But it's, uh, yeah. he, he was a special player. I mean, I mean, do, question for you, actually. We talk, just talking about Baggio. Um, obviously, unfortunately, he's in today's word as good as we wanted him to be. But I know Juventus, it was incredible to watch him. Fiorentina was incredible. But he's one of those few players who, do you think he's remembered more for what he did at Bologna and Brescia? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Unbelievable. Like, and, not and not, only, not only just, if he even like, it, we're not talking just, you know, games and goals. Because um, mm-hmm. like Bologna had, what, one season and, 30-odd games and 20-odd goals. I don't know the record, but and same with Brescia. It was, you know, 100. I think I wrote about him in our Greatest Eleven series, you know, 95 games and 45 goals. It was more the impact that he had on everyone around him and for the sheer fact that he was at their club. That's what I I think is the biggest impact. And, I mean, you look at, you know, Vicenza, Fiorentina, AC Milan, Juventus, Bologna, Inter and Brescia. I don't know. You probably have a better idea than me, but at, at which which of those clubs is he disliked? Where where do they not like him? No, no. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, you look at that. Vicenza didn't blame him. He had the knee injury, um, and he got back. And obviously, you know, when he when he went, he earned them some money, and so they they couldn't. You know, he blossomed there. Uh, Fiorentina, that's probably your yeah. one. But then he, but if you remember. Um, what did he? Did, he picked up a Fiorentina scarf, didn't he? Yeah, because he refused to take the penalty. 
picked yeah, up the yeah, scarf yeah, as he was yeah. walking off. So that, that sort of endeared him, I, I guess. I don't think yeah. he's there. Yeah, I don't think he's completely hated it in Florence. I mean, obviously that caused the biggest of stir. So that's probably a debatable one. Juventus loved him, Milan loved him. Into it's a case of what could have been. I think Inter blame themselves. They don't blame Baggio, they blame themselves for letting him um letting him go. And then the, the other two clubs uh, ph- you know phenomenally loved him. Yeah. And it's uh I just one of these players. To be fair though, I don't think that um he was the only player at that point in time at Inter that was that was struggling, you know, on and off the field. <laughs> That's uh, a podcast in itself, isn't yeah. it? Really, <laughs> that's a that's a four hour one. If we're going to yeah, do, yeah, that's that's a that's a tra- that's a trauma inducing podcast that I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> need a lot. All right, so your favorite team from your World Cup journey, I guess. Yeah, who have you got? Again, it, it was always going to be between two, wasn't it? It was going to be between the West German team with the Inter players or, or the Italian one. But I'm going to go with the Italian team from Italian IT just on the basis that I think it was I would have Paolo looked at, Ma- I would, is it because Paolo Maldini wore number seven? <laughs> no, no, no believe me no, not. No, okay. uh, no what we're talking about goalkeepers. I mean like I said I played in goal thanks to my father's ill choices of shirts. And I did all right actually, you know so uh but my hero growing up uh, it's really difficult because Bode Wilder was a brilliant, brilliant keeper for the West Germans. Brilliant keeper. But Walter Zenger, for me, you know, the spider is just, for insert, was just unbelievable. I mean, the image of him as well, playing some massive goal chain uh, on during that World Cup. And I know that people will criticise him because of the goal that Canegia scored for Argentina in the semi-finals in Naples. But he was phenomenal in that World mm-hmm. Cup. And, uh, you know, I still think it's harsh. Italy, it's a, I would have liked to have seen the West Germany versus Italy final. I think it would have been a better game. Um but just the emotion they stirred up for the country. And I think the longer answer for me is that that team, uh, you know, built the emotions that went on afterwards, you know. And so, you know, the, the way they played, the way um, they defended was phenomenal. You know, the likes of Bergami was fantastic. I love Nicola Berti, Ricardo, uh, Nicola Berti. I thought it was phenomenal. Ricardo Ferry. And you look at the talent and you were forgetting about, you saw about Baggio, but Giuseppe Giannini, you know, at that point was as big as as big as Totti in the, in the later years. You know, you look at Donadoni, he was phenomenal. You forget how good Aldo Serena was. Ancelotti um, was in that team as well. Exactly, Ancelotti. Yeah. And then obviously you've got, and I think what made it is, you know, was Toto Scalacci because mm. you've got this guy who's, Scored a few, scored some goals from a scene. It goes to events. I can't remember how he got, how many he got the season before the World Cup. It wasn't a huge amount, maybe twelve something like that. And he even says there's a documentary on at the moment in the UK um, about Italian ninety. And uh, I only watched it the other day actually. And he said, "I didn't expect to be picked. You know, this was this was incredible. The fact that I was even included. Then when I was included, I didn't even believe I was going to be on the bench. I just thought I was going to be in the stands." And then he gets to the point against Austria and he's on the bench and, uh, you know, he's asked to warm up and he's like, which one of them? Yeah. And he points at the other guys, he's like, no, you, no, you. And then he warms up and he comes on and he scores that goal. And there's, there's a phrase from, I think it was uh, Brian Moore again or Barry Davis, one of the, Brian Moore's one of the best commentators that ever existed for me, apart from David Farini, of course. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> i got to give David a shout out. But no, Brian Moore at the time, he said, um, 
he goes, uh, when he scored, and he, he goes, it's the man with the Sicilian eyes. And it was a really good point because he didn't realise what was going on. He's like, I've just scored in the World Cup. And there's a great story that um, he goes to, on this documentary, he goes to see his father. And he said, um, I'm saying after the game, he sat there watching the TV and the news is on and they're talking about Scalacci's goal. They beat in Austria. And he says, there's a load of people in Sicily just all gone to the apartments where he was born. It's a really poor area. And the national news is there. There's Italian flags down there. And you see the clip and his father comes out and he's like, waving like royalty <laughs> and Scalacci says you thought you were the bloody Pope <laughs> and it just shows the impact of how you know how, where it's from but that I think that story has the fairy tale story mm. um you know I'd love to talk about Germany all day long because I thought that team was phenomenal but they were so functional they did what they came there to win it and they won it and they battered everyone you know yeah. if you look at it you know they came through okay bar the Columbia game where no one cared apart from the Colombians they thrashed Yugoslavia 4-1. They went on to beat Saudi Arabia in the rain in Milan 5-1. It's 1-1 at um, the, you know, the game against Colombia, which was a nothing game for them. Mm. Yeah, I've said it before, it. like Mateus, at that time, Mateus and still is one of my all-time favourite players. And I could have sworn mm. that if you'd cut him open, it was like, you know, the Terminator or something. He just, <laughs> yeah. he was everywhere. It was like he was up the front. <laughs> he was scoring goals. He was at the back. He was playing in the middle. It, it was it was like there was three or four of him all over the field. He's just incredible, absolutely. He's incredible. unbelievable, unbelievable. He yeah. literally is my favorite player. I mean, that I think as well in that time you saw the switch from the best player in the world being Maradona to being Mateus in that World Cup, and there were such different players. You know, Maradona. I mean, you know, again talking to Barry Davis's commentator, calling him a little street urchin. You know, this little this little. What little man he calls him in 86, yeah. you know, and he gives him, but he's giving him credit because he's saying basically you're a, a perfect street footballer. And then you've got Mateus, who is just like, I mean, all you need to do is watch Mateus, put Wagner on, sit back and that's it. It's like the ride of the Valkyries for just <laughs> non-stop. It's completely different. Yeah. It's functional machine, like you said, the Terminator. So, yeah, but, you know, so like I said, you know, it, it, Germany did brilliantly when I'm to win that World Cup and obviously the game against England. Mateus again, penalty against Czechoslovakia, who mm. featured prominently in um, that World Cup. But you look at it and you you think Italy just had more the more. I don't know. They had that mix of excitement and skill, but they had the drama. The Italians always do, and they had the backstory of Scalacci. And yeah, I just I mean, like I said, my I don't think I've ever gone back and watched the highlights of any World Cup bar two thousand six. But I would say regularly Italian 90, I watch once, twice a month. Mm. It's so, you know, I know it's very, it's uh, <laughs> not a magic game, but it's. Um, oh, it's, just bust, bust that song out, a live version of Pavarotti singing oh. Ness and Dorma, and I guarantee you, you'll bust out into goosebumps. Yeah, I, ne- oh. I know I can say that because I only did it last week, just randomly driving yeah. home, and I was like, I want to hear Pavarotti singing Ness and Dorma. And then it was like, yeah, it's, it's magic. It's, it's just a whole. Build up to it. It's a, it's the perfect World Cup song. It's the best one ever because I think the thing is, is Italian ninety might not have been blessed with the best games. You know, the goal scoring was low, but it had the most drama. It, if you look at that, okay, we talked about the Rijkaard Voller spitting. We've never seen that before. It was revolting. It was terrible. It was rubbish. Argentina beat Cameroon. Uh, sorry, Cameroon beat Argentina in the first game. Pompido lets that goal slip through, and then Kinigi gets <laughs> almost killed. 
by Elon Beek, I think it was, or not Elon Beek, one of the Beek brothers. But, you know, he gets, you know, this red card, nine men, he beat the Argentinians. You've got so much, you've got Gascoigne's tears in the semi-final, you've got the drama, which we talked about with Scolacci, this guy from Sicily, nobody knows, you know, goes and scores the six goals. You've just, you could go through it, you know, you can even go down to the facts of talking about, like, the bizarre group that England, Ireland and Holland immediately were in. You know, where no one wanted to win it. The fact the English fans get put on Sardinia because everyone's scared of them. You know, it's like... <laughs> convicts, they the convicts of the island, yep. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so that's a common trend. <laughs> but no, it's... Um, you look at, you know, David Platt's volley against Belgium in the last minute. You've got Costa Rica with, I think, Medford scores against Scotland, knocks them out in mm. an unprecedented game. Brazil and that unbelievable pass from Maradona that goes through the legs of the defender and Kenny just scores. You, there's just so much drama, it seemed, in every round, in every game. And it was so memorable. And whether that's because of that, you know, you, you also had the song Unestate uh, Italiana with, uh, oh, what was, what's the name? Gianni. Oh, that's going to annoy me. People can message in and tell me. How yeah, I know who it is. I know exactly who it is. But yeah, I yeah. won't have a guess because I'll get it wrong. But with the cheesy yeah. guitar, but yep. it's the brilliant yeah. song. Yeah, and, and Scotland as well. Scot- Scotland was, uh, I know Andy Wallace, our friend, who's who's been on here a couple of times. Yeah, he, like, I think they beat Sweden and I think they played Brazil. I don't know if it was the first game. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Even that game had drama with because Jim Layton, you know, the shots from uh, Alamao, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, no, or Correco, or Ala, whoever it was, it was Alamao or Correco. No, he would have been Paris. happy for Scotland to beat the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, and then Muller finishes it off, and it's uh, Muller, another one. He was at Torino. All the players played. That was the good thing about it. A lot of the players, and you go through most of the squads, the best players in those teams tended to feature or would feature afterwards in Serie A. Serie A. And also, as well, I know we moan about it, and we've got a comment. I mean, I'm sure you'll have an opinion on this one, Frank, but while the, the, um, the stadiums might seem a little run down now, the character is unbelievable. And, you know, you're playing games in the likes of the Artemio Frankie San Siro, the San Nicolo, which is just ridiculous to be even built there. Um, but there's so many stadiums that we absolutely love um, that, you know, and I think that's why, you know, if I ever go to Bologna or Florence or wherever it is, and I go to one of those stadiums, I don't think about, oh, Beppe Signori scoring a goal for or Baggio in for Bologna. I don't think about Batistuta. It, my head in Florence goes to Scarabi scoring a hat trick against the USA. In Bologna, you know, it goes to David Platt, mm. Bremer in San Siro. So the link to the stadiums again is um, completely there. But yeah, sorry, I've rambled uh, completely away from the topic. And but it was Italy. Italy definitely my favourite team. Awesome. Well, it's been great to chat. Thanks very much for your time. It's much appreciated. And yeah, anytime. We'll, I'm Probably sure we'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. All good. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. And thanks for the work you do with the podcast. Brilliant job, mate. Oh, much appreciated. That was a great chat with Richard Hall, um, of course, from the Gentleman Ultra. And of course, uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and share the podcast and hope you're enjoying the series. Uh, you can find more culture goodness at gentlemanultra.com. Enjoy your culture, everybody. Thank you.
Thank you.